0: Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystonesportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: Hello and welcome into the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante with my usual cohort, Dustin Hawkinsmith. However, very special edition of our show today. We have Landon Tengwall joining us, and Landon, you've been working with me. Now you've really made it to the big time. Landon, you're with the big dog, Dusty, today.
2: Man, it's an honor. It's an honor to be here.
3: Uh, did, did you say big dog, or was there a letter between the O and the G? I couldn't make out what you were saying.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Dusty, you will always be the big dog to me. And I know this is not the first time you two guys have talked, is it, Dusty?
3: Yeah, re- remember that, Landon. It was, uh, it was COVID summer, man. And I think, I think I'm going to be looking back on those times more wistfully as as the days and the years go on. Like, it's it's uncommon. Like, Landon was in a position, you know, you were at home, you were working out on your own schedule, probably. What 16 17 hours a day, or whatever. Um, I was eating 16 to 17 hours per day, but I did this, this, the real short series that I was calling virtual visits just to play off of you know our situation. Landon was one of them. I talked to Bo Bartlett, the Penn State wrestler, and Liam Clifford. I think were, were the, those were, the, oh, Jake Zembeck, too. So it was a real, had a real Penn State flavor to it. But Landon, I wanted to share with you. Um, remember, we were you and I were talking and you had uh, an open window or something behind you, and there was this light coming through, and I could barely see your head. Mm-hmm. So I was like, hey, sorry, can you move a little bit? Now, I, I the way I'm positioned, I do it to everyone. <laughs>
2: Every
3: single
1: person <laughs> gets tangled by, by me with the light coming through, like
2: I'm
3: an I do something. And I maybe do for I am, boy. Jimmy.
1: <laughs> do you know, Dustin? Yeah, I was just going to say the same thing. I thought that was just the angelic version of Dusty that we always have. All right, guys. I'm sure our listeners would love us to continue to wax nostalgic about the old (laughs) days, but we have some real news. We have some real news, Landon, even between the time you and I recorded our show for this week, which was just earlier today. That was pre-offensive coordinator things going crazy. And I'll start with you, Landon. We got just a little hint of this from James Franklin in his post-game press conference when he said something about we're not doing our play calling well enough for our quarterback. But the question is, it, this came as such a surprise to us. How about to you and to the players on the team? Was this a big surprise as it was to us?
2: Yeah, it was It was definitely a shock uh, hearing that. It wasn't something you expected today, you know, possibly with everything that went on, possibly something that, ha- you know, after uh, after Michigan State here in the last game or maybe after the bowl game, definitely something uh, possibility, but didn't really expect that one today at all. Um, I will say it's, you know, what a lot of fans obviously wanted, um, seemed to please a lot of people. Um, I'd say it's it's good news from Franklin showing, you know, he wants to he wants to move forward. He wants to move on, get started, just kind of kind of move on from this, you know, We'll call it is it, a little bit of a lackluster offense this far, so far this year um, and just kind of just go a different route, get these get our guys, ball, you know, balls in different situations. I think, you know, Coach Sider, Coach Howard, real creative guys. I mean, really beloved in, in the last football building by the whole team. Um, so I'm really excited what they're going to do together, uh, you know, as, as co-offensive coordinators. They're kind of a unique situation uh, to see how that will unfold. Obviously, one of them on the sidelines and one of them in the booth uh, for each game. So, kind of cool to have a uh, you know different outlook for 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 play Kong throughout the game as well
1: Dustin looking at this from the outside, it's not quite middle of the season, but struggling offense three of the last four games. But my question is, didn't we feel like James Franklin's fingerprints should be all over the offense anyway? So from outside in, how big a shock is this before the season ends? He, uh, James Franklin makes this move, takes out, you know, Mike Yurcich.
3: I mean, I, I think the the high-profile nature of the two performances that, that fell flat uh, on the road at Ohio State and at home against Michigan, particularly in the second half, didn't score. What was their 159 when they, when they scored in the second half? Otherwise, it was a turnover on downs, punts, and another turnover in the second half. And, you know, ultimately just didn't deliver for a defense that, that needed and deserved it to deliver. Uh, in, in this game and, and in those games, in the Ohio State game as well. So the high-profile nature, I think, created a little bit more urgency for James to have to make a decision about short and long-term about what that position is and where it's going. I think this is a really interesting experiment, if you will, to have the co-coordinators. And I think two guys who, A, um, I think deserve bigger roles than, than the ones that they had. I mean, you look at their titles now, they're, they're, it's about – Eight hundred and fifty characters long, the the number of titles in their positions, but I think they both deserve it. I think the 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 mix for both of them with Jaywan and Ty of recruiting and of um, you know physical running offense, you know, and I think from that perspective, like the longer that I've had to think about this, the more I kind of like that combination and about the identity of the offense and having a more clear idea of who they are what they're doing. I think sometimes we heard James talk a lot about. Uh, being a run-oriented attack and leaning on on Nick and and Katron Allen uh, to do their work, but I, I don't know if Mike Yursich fully bought into that line of thinking. And I think Jaywan Sider and Ty Howell. I mean, it's my and I would, I'm dying to hear Landon's thought about where the offense goes from here. But I think it's going to be more closely tied to the positions that these guys coach on a day-to-day basis. Ty Howell is a former offensive lineman; he gets it. Uh, the continuity and and how everything ties together. So I'm actually very intrigued by how these games go to the point where it's like, okay, you expect James Franklin to make a big splashy hire like Cliff Kingsbury. or I know there's names probably floating out there, but it's like, I wonder if they're the audition for these two guys with the regular season and the bowl game is enough to try it in 2024
1: as well. We're going to talk a lot about those two guys, but let, let's finish up on the Mike Yursich era a little bit. My question for you, Landon, is, James Franklin, Mike Ursic, he brought Mike Yersich in just a couple years ago, and he got rid of one coach, Sharaka, after one season because he wanted Mike Ursic so badly. I always got the impression that James Franklin has enough of a hand in the play, in the game planning and the play calling. So I guess my question is, how much independence did Mike Ursic have in in the game planning all week? Or was this was this James Franklin's offense or Mike Yursich's offense?
2: Yeah, I think it was Yursich's offense uh, to a certain extent. You know, James Franklin is an offensive-minded coach, so he was around you know those offensive meetings a little bit more you know say than you know than the defense, especially with having Manny there and kind of you know being a little bit of a head coach in his own right. Uh, felt a little bit more just to be over with the offense and kind of hover over that. But I you know I think he kind of had Yursich had the reins of the offense. Um, definitely a very you know. Animated coach came in every day with a lot of energy, uh, was always trying to get us pumped up. Definitely give him credit for that. I mean, he, he never he never backed down from a challenge um, as far as looking at, you know, we kind of talk about identity and, and running the ball and stuff like that did kind of feel like a while there where we didn't really have a specific identity as an offense there wasn't something that we relied on you know you look you know talking about with these with our new offensive coordinators and you know maybe getting those position groups involved falling back on you know a run run attack style uh, you know offense you look at Sheryl moore at michigan who was offensive you know he's the offensive coordinator but also the offensive line coach one of the best in the business i mean they they ran it the whole day yesterday so i do look you know kind of see something like that get the tight ends a little bit more involved get Get our playmakers Theo Johnson, Tyler Warren Catron Allen, Nick Singleton. I mean these are some of the best guys in the nation, you know big time talents really just create create plays to get them involved, get them to rock get get Nick Singleton into space uh, those type of things. so uh, you know um, obviously you know very coach Ursuch, I still remember texting him as soon as he got the job, so definitely a little bit of a bittersweet moment even for me and some of the guys, but it's it's the game of football and you know you move on and we got some really talented uh, offensive coordinators. Uh, ready to go here,
1: uh, Dusty? You put together a nice little stat sheet on Mike Ursage's <laughs> three years or two and three quarter years on the job. Tell us what you found out. What stood stood out to you in looking at those numbers?
3: Well, I mean, I I think for for what you have, I mean, this this year, just to, to kind of recap, where where that total offense number seventy two nationally, number eighty eight passing. Um, number 60 in pass efficiency which i think is sometimes a better number to go by uh number 45 and in, in rushing so there's there's no you know real glaring strength but it's like the last two years top 20 in scoring you know flirting with 40 points for a, a game um i think maybe a, a good chunk of that it has been the way the defense has played the last two years you know i, I don't you, you look at the numbers even from 2022 and 23 and i think this group really enjoyed the advantages and field position and uh, take away sudden change situations that they were able to sk- still score points um, despite uh, not, not really standing out in some of those areas. So it's like, you know, red zone, they, they've been very good this year. I mean, they've been opportunistic. It's like, they've, they've not been terrible by any means and we've seen a lot of creativity from, from your sits, but ultimately, you know, what's kind of defined, the two losses, what's kind of defined their performance on the road you know, before Maryland was just Drew Aller not really being himself. And you know when James Franklin like, – I think those were heavy words when he said not coaching our quarterback into a rhythm because he didn't have a rhythm uh, in, in the two losses. Uh, I think sometimes uh, his mechanics were a little bit short or tentative um, in, in both of those games. So I think if, you're such a, if that's his job to create more easy throws for him and it didn't happen, then, yeah, that, that's part of it. But, yeah, I don't know if anything really jumps out of, other than that um, besides maybe this year and, and to a lesser extent last year not uh, getting enough out of the talent that you've got. Like I think with the, with the arsenal of talent across the board in a lot of the spots, Landon just spelled out some of them, I would expect uh, more explosion.
1: And I've kept saying, I think, Landon, I said it to you. I'm not even sure if it was on the air or off the air. I kept expecting this offense to explode because there was so much, so much talent there. But the big name is Drew Aller at quarterback. And I know we, I'm only leaving you this last minute here, but I think Drew Aller is much better than what we've seen this year.
2: Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think we saw a big glimpse of that in Maryland, too. Kind of felt comfortable just looked like he was just having fun back there some of those touch passes that he put up to Dante Cephas in the end zone just allowing his guys to go up and make a play I don't think we saw that too much on Saturday Uh, it was a lot of timid uh, you know timid play calling a little bit of timid passing scared to you know make a mistake Um, just not like I said not allowing those guys you have so many talented playmakers to go up and make a play for you um, I think that's what we were missing a little bit. It was it was good to see us not abandon the run, which we saw in Ohio State kind of getting away from that and having your young quarterback throw forty, you know, forty-four or something like that times 43 times. Um, so I, I do give him credit for sticking with the run and you know, kind of getting that going and uh relying on that for his young quarterback. But you gotta you gotta let a, a five-star number one quarterback in, in the nation. I mean, that he does have that talent. That's Drew, he has the arm talent, uh, just allowing him to make some plays allow him to be himself. I think that's the biggest thing uh, heading into these last two games here.
1: All right, guys, that's it for quarter one. We got a lot more to talk about. Stick with us.
3: Hey, Penn State fans, here is your chance to take something off your bucket list. That's right. Go PSU RV is offering a full range of RV setups ready for a weekend of great tailgating at their lion's den. Which is the closest single game RV overnight lot to Beaver Stadium? You can arrive anytime Friday afternoon. Stay until Sunday morning, avoiding all that traffic. Don't miss this unique opportunity. Go online to gopsurv.com and reserve your RV today.
4: Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs. But our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs,
1: and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Statecollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.
0: It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with Dustin Smith and Landon Tangwall all on one show. And I have learned between segments that this is a mistake. Having these two guys (laughs) on at the same time, they spent most of the between segments making fun of me, making me regret this decision. So don't make me make one of you guys go to your corner and not have to separate you two, okay? So behave yourself. Let's get back on track. Serious business. We're talking about the changes that Coach Franklin has made. Mike Yursich is out the door. In comes Juwan Sider and Ty Howell as co-offensive coordinators. And I know we want to talk about the new guys, but I still want to finish up with Mike Yurcich. And here's my question for you, Landon. I always got the impression, at least from last season, that there was creativity that came out of Mike Yurcich. That was the feeling I had a year ago. I feel like this season I've been waiting 10 games to see that creativity. And it just never came out. Am I wrong in feeling that way? What, what's the impression that you get watching this offense this year?
2: Yeah, I don't think your eyes are lying to you at all. It does seem like it is a little bit more of a conservative called game. Um, just shorter passes. And now that is a little bit with, on the quarterback the side. I mean obviously every, every play has you know, short, medium and long routes, and it kind of just depends on you know, what it comes open and what his, where his reads are um I but we saw him Drew be very conservative early on and you know take care of the football that is coach Juric's every single day number one thing that he puts on the board is you know protect that football that's number one thing so you know I do, I do think that's something that he instilled in Drew and that that's part of the reason why Drew you know has such the mindset of I need to take care of this football and be you know sometimes a little bit too hesitant in certain scenarios uh with that football just because he doesn't want to make a mistake um but you know I I think it was, it was something that, you know, clearly coach Franklin saw it needed to be changed. It wasn't something he wanted to wait to do. Just, just get it over with, get them out, get these guys going. You know, you got, I mean, you've had coach Soder in the building for six plus years. Uh, You know, coach Howe's been around since 2020, both really beloved in the, in the last football building. Um. So, you know, as players, you're obviously, you're excited for those, those coaches that you love and, really good connections with to kind of step up a little bit and see what they can do in this off coordinator role.
1: Dustin, looking at it from uh, your perspective, I instantly thought play calling, but is part of this move that, you know, Mike Yursich just hasn't developed uh, Drew Aller the way we had hoped?
3: Boy, it's, um, it's a really early thing. I think, you know, I, I know in, in this day and age with a talent like Drew, you, you expect that. Um, but it's not a perfect, you know, upward arc for any quarterback, really. And I think we, we've seen a lot of flash. And I think we've seen stuff that maybe you should expect more from a a, a, a true sophomore quarterback. You know, just get getting through, you know, I, I think just the, the mindset, uh, of the right mindset of a quarterback, of getting past your mistake or, or not fearing a mistake, you know, walking that really, really fine line between taking shots when when you have them and protecting the ball and, and, uh, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I I mean, if if that were the case, I think that would be premature for sure. I mean, I feel like this is something that's, that's beyond um, just what we're seeing from Drew Aller. And it's not, it has to be pointed out that I feel like the best overall performance from a Penn State offense under Mike Yuricich occurred when Landon Tengwall was one of his starting offensive linemen. That connection has to be made here uh, in 2022. So, so there's that, but yeah, I I think it's, I think it's more, it's about more than Drew Aller. Um, I think it's about more than that. I think you can look at it and say, you know, underachieving in the ground game. Um, I feel like, you know, performance and and nerve in in big games the Penn State offense just did not look like uh, itself against Ohio State and against Michigan
1: you know Landon you and I were talking a bit earlier about getting Nick Singleton in space those Mm -hmm. are the kind of things it's like taking advantage of the talent you have and I kind of felt like that was missing the other part of it is Drew Aller is a different type of quarterback than uh, what we, than Trace McSorley and even Sean Clifford, where uh, McSorley definitely a dual threat. Sean Clifford did have that ability to, you know, pull the ball and run with it. Drew Aller, at least it didn't appear the coaching staff thought that was part of his game. Did they adjust and adapt well enough to that? And you know where I'm heading with part of this. One of Jim's pet peeves is, you know, you're running a read option where I assume that one of the options was the quarterback running the ball and he never did. So should you still be running that read option? If the quarterback's never going to keep it landed again, yeah, I'm begging I mean, you to tell me I'm right.
2: Absolutely. It is one of those things. You're not running a read option with Tom Brady. Um, I do think, and we saw it a little bit yesterday. Drew did his, use his legs pretty well, and he started. You, you saw him start to get a little timid after that fumble. Uh, didn't after that fumble, he didn't really run too many times. But early on, used his legs a lot to create plays. Obviously, the long, longer touchdown uh, there was a was a big time play. Um, but you know, it's 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 one of those things where you you got to know your personnel. Uh, I, I do think that's something we could do better. Get Bo Previla a little bit more involved. You saw that in Maryland. Um, Obviously, brought it back in a very conservative game plan for the Michigan Michigan game. Um, not nearly as exciting as fun as that. You know, obviously the Maryland defense is nowhere near the, this Michigan defense that we played. Uh, but you you really would have liked to see a little bit more creativity uh, in the in this past game. And like you mentioned earlier, Mike Yurcich, absolutely, that's one of his best qualities. He's a very creative uh, offensive coordinator. Was always coming in with you know coming to our room saying, "Hey, let's try this. Let's add this new wrinkle to this play that we already have." Just just mix it up a little bit, confuse the defense a little bit, um, had a lot of pre-snap, uh, you know, motions, things of that nature. He did a really good job with that. Uh, but it just kind of seemed like in those big time games, it it, it kind of re- just reverted back to a very basic, you know, style game plan. And it's almost like you want to see a little bit more of that creativity in those big games to allow your players and just give you a little bit more, you know, some of those trick plays that just give you a little bit more space, allow you a big explosive and a little bit of breathing room and, that you know, you like I said, you just those, those things help in those in those big time games and everybody's a little nervous. There's a lot of tension getting those big explosive plays, and I don't know outside of that Catron Allen run if we really had any explosive plays yesterday. Uh, you know, we talked about with that with that pin and pull earlier. Uh, pin and pool being the run style that they ran with that Ktron Allen. Uh, you know, de- decent biggest run of the game and kind of want to see that with Nick Singleton you know a lot of runs up the middle with Nick would love to see him you know get out in space a little bit more they talk about a lot in the league making sure you you get these guys that are really talented players some touches however it may be and get them in space a guy like Nick Singleton thrives in space where he can use that speed beat guys to the edges you know we we just I hope uh you know Ty Howe and Jawan Schneider really try to scheme these guys into some really just some really unique uh it's different different styles of uh, of run pass you know etc. Hopefully get out a little bit more. I think we could you know get into the outside zone a little bit more, a little outside zone game plan, uh, pin and pull screens, the things of that nature. Just be a little bit more creative. And that run really did seem to stick out during the the
1: game on Saturday. That they got him outside, and yeah, it was watching that happen. I was like, why aren't we seeing more of this? It seems strange. And Dusty, now with this reaction, where James Franklin makes the move with Mike Yurcich, as you mentioned earlier, two very high-profile games, high-profile losses, and James Franklin has become a national story because of these two games and how Penn State looked. You know, he can't win the big one. You know, things that we used to just hear from a certain aspect of the Penn State fan base, we're hearing that nationally. So. Now, one day later, after this latest, I'll call it embarrassing embarrassing performance by the offense, the fall guy is Mike Yursich. Is that fair of James Franklin to do that, that it's like, okay, here's the guy we'll put the blame on, get him out the door, see, you know, I identified the problem, Dusty.
3: I think there's a natural human reaction to to act in that way and to project on James Franklin that way. But I, I don't think I've ever, you know, like James Franklin is such a deliberate individual. I cannot imagine um, that this was just in the name of saving face or something like that. You know, I think the way that he talks about, you know, guiding the program and doing the best things for the program, I, I think he stands on those principles for sure. Um, so, so, you know, there, there's that part of it, but yeah, I I think, um, it's just time to go in a new direction. You know, I think the timing is convenient after Michigan, like here we are totally, uh, you know, Jimmy, you and I, it's our job on Sundays to recap Saturdays. We're not spending any time at all on Saturdays. So that's a nice thing to deflect from what was a forgettable performance at home, a forgettable outcome at home. This is a nice way to do that, but I don't think James thinks uh, in that direction, like I, I don't think he thinks that way, and um, but yeah, well, we'll see. I, I, I know you keep trying to hold us back, but I really like the cider and how um, combination going forward.
2: Yeah, Dusty, I, I totally agree. I totally agree with that real quick, Dusty. I, I totally agree with the fact that James Frank. He's not a sporadic guy. He's not just going to act out and just just fire him for no reason. I do think, and I, I don't know anything personally, but I do think he has someone in mind that he wants to go after. That's out there. I don't think they would make this firing without an idea of a couple people they, you know, they really want to go after that they really like for this job in the future. James has always been so uh,
1: deliberate in everything he does and well planned out. Right. Dusty. And you were going to say.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I I think, um, you know, James is a very deliberate individual and I I think he thinks about the big picture all the time. And I think maybe he has somebody else in mind for, for down the road. And I just wanted to say real quick, I addressed this a bunch of times yesterday um, out and about, People talking about James has got to go, man. You know, it's like it's kind of a be careful what you wish for. I get the flat feeling about being really, really productive and winning ten games, but it's like I said this before. Um, you know, winning ten games is not uh, automatic or easy, and I don't care if you're playing Indiana or Maryland or Rutgers or whoever it might, or Purdue or whoever. Uh, there's a reason that a very sh- short list of people win 10, 10 games consistently. And James is on that list. James Franklin is not going anywhere. Um, and I think he's a very, he's a very steady hand. He builds a really nice culture. Like, I think all these things are true. Uh, and n- not only that, Penn State is on the short end of the buyout situation uh, for, for him. And uh, I, I don't think there's any financial incentive at all. And that's what drives everything right now to move on from James Franklin. So I just wanted to get it, get it out there. If that's what you're wishful thinking, you might want to move on from that.
1: Okay, guys, that is it for quarter two. And yes, I've been holding you back. Yes, we have half the show left. We will start getting to talk about the new guys. But when we get back here, quarter three, I'm going to have one more thought on James Franklin. Stay tuned for that. truststatecollege.com for daily coverage of the school team and place you love
0: let's get back to the action on the keystone kickoff show brought to you by the keystone sports network get the best penn state sports news and analysis at keystonesportsnetwork.com or download the keystone sports app from your smartphone
1: and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number three. I'm Jim. I'm with Landon. I'm with Dustin. And I've been holding these guys back, waiting to talk about the new offensive coordinators, the new co-offensive coordinators. But first, but first, Dusty, you completed quarter two by saying, essentially, James Franklin's not going anywhere. He's, he wins 10 games. That's hard to duplicate. And I am with you on all of that. I am. However, let me paint one scenario for you, okay? Yeah. James Franklin, he wins his 10 games. But if he has issues here, it's not getting enough NIL money, right? Not enough money, not enough money for coaches, not enough money for him. Always, those are the things. Now, if only there were a school out there and a major conference that's just loaded with money, loaded with NIL money, and is looking to upgrade. And let's say they just decide to buy out their current coach, highly paid, they're going to want to have a home run hire. What do you think of James Franklin coaching those Texas A&M Aggies? Some kind of deal is made. James, in all the time that there's been disappointing losses here. This is the first time that I feel like, Dusty, the fan base, they're not just disappointed and upset. They're mad. I, I don't recall seeing those chants for fire, Franklin, and yelling at him, and the reaction, you know, social media. I don't recall it being like this for James Franklin. Is it possible he thinks he's maybe reached his limit here at Penn State, Dusty? Uh,
3: I don't think that seems to be wired into his thinking. Like, I, I think he, you know, the message that he shares about, you know, what Penn State is and what he thinks it can be still, I think he, there's a sincere belief in that, that he can, that Penn State can accomplish anything, you know? I, I, I But I think, you know, in reality, he's also recognized that, you got to modernize this. You got to update this. You got to spend more on this. You got, you know, there, there are things that come along with that. And ultimately, like he's accepted the role of being the bad guy by asking for more money and, and stuff at every turn. Because his, his point is a good one of how can you expect to, and I really sound like a James Franklin apologist on this show, do I not? But, you know, this is the way that I see it. Um, you know, you, you, you have to have those things if you want to compete with the schools that you're expected to beat. Um, all that, all that in mind, I mean, they, you should have a much better record against top 10 teams than three and 17 with, with this team and how consistently the roster has been built. You should absolutely have a better record than three and 17, but what's, what's a good record against top 10 teams? Uh, if you are a coach, like, is is it going like nine and 11, you know, like, cause I think in a good chunk of those games, Penn state was an underdog, just like they were on Saturday, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, at the risk of sounding like a, a James Franklin apologist, I just think, um, you know, he what he's doing, uh, it's too valuable to move on from it, and I think he's got a, a willing partner on the spending front to push forward uh, in the new AD. Like, I, I think that he, he's got a more um, accessible administration who understands what you're trying to build and how much th- how much there is still to do in order to keep trying to close that gap. Because it's not like you stop trying. I get it, you know, you lose uh, to Penn State, you lose to Michigan and Ohio State. Everybody loses those guys. You're expected to do more. I, I get all that, um, but you know, in the, end, in the end, I have to circle back. James is here, man. I mean, you guys got to get used to it.
1: And Landon, I'd, I'd like you to comment on that too, just with the reference point of a couple years ago. If you had talked to Michigan fans, they would have been saying the same thing about Jim Harbaugh.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think Dusty's you know right on there as far as. James Franklin he's been, you know, winning 10 games just came off a Rose Bowl victory. First he, you know, 8 years still left on the contract. He's not going anywhere. Also, I think a great point is this is the first time in his career that he's finally got the administration backing him. He's got, you know, Pat Craft, uh, you know, uh, Ben Depudi just just being, you know, whatever you need that that type of thing. Has had to fight in the past for money, uh other things, even just getting something like a weight room upgrade has been a little bit of a struggle. Um so it, it is nice to have that support like you talked about down in down in AM and other places like that they just have just loads of money support from the university to do whatever. It's not as easy when you don't have that. It's it's hard for a head coach. Um but I I totally agree there with Dusty. I don't, Franklin is here to stay like I said. Still, you know, 8 years left on that contract. He's he's going to be around. You don't you don't get rid of a coach that's winning you 10 games and I know the fan base is, str- is really frustrated and wants to win these games against Michigan and Ohio State. But, you know, there's only so many coaches that, that can do what he's done. And he came in and, you know, obviously B.O.B. did a lot, but helped helped save this program, really. Uh, and I don't, I don't think they, they turn away from anytime soon. Go ahead, Dustin. And
3: Jim, you, ma- you mentioned the Penn State fans being mad. And I, th- I think maybe that's a new level of it just because of where the expectations were to start this year. Uh, I, think, I think fans are feeling more burnt by that at this very moment. But you know what? When Penn State's, uh five and oh six and oh playing a top another top 10 matchup in october or whatever next year you know i think you realize that uh having those opportunities to play in big games uh is a privilege that not a lot of programs have a and b um uh i i think uh it just takes one you know michigan beats ohio state once they're 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 believing in what they're doing they're whatever whatever happens in terms of like uh recruiting reputation like I, I think it only it only takes once and I understand it's, it sounds a little ridiculous but in 2024 if Penn State beats Michigan on the road I, I guess they don't play Michigan on the road but if they score a couple top 10 wins or something I mean that can change everything so I, I think there's still uh, you, you can only be in the business of being in the neighborhood of big games and being in big games. Obviously, you got to start winning
1: them. You know, I think what's interesting, though, next year, and we're going to have all offseason to talk about it, this whole dynamic will change because you won't be playing Ohio State and Michigan both, but you'll get either, you know, like an Oregon or a Washington or a USC. So if you finish 11-1 and but the loss is to either Michigan or Ohio State, will that convince the fans? And if it's two losses, but you still make the playoffs, will that matter to the fans until you actually win a playoff game? So that dynamic will totally change next year. And you guys do realize I said we would get to the new coaches here at the start of this segment, and I got I, it's all my fault. And, you know, hey, the buck stops here, guys. It, it's my fault. So I do want to segue to the new guys. And I'm going to start it with Landon. You know them. You've been there with them. Tell us about Jawan Sider and Ty Howe.
2: Yeah, both uh, fantastic coaches. I would say two of the most beloved coaches in the last football building. Um, really good guys. Both of them have been there for a, for a while now. Both of them uh, you know, helped recruit me, actually. And I got a lot of love for them. Um, you know, you look at a guy, you know, you look at Ty Howe. Doing, came in, took over for Tyler Bowen, who was a fantastic coach, didn't, didn't miss a step at all. I mean, you know, loaded tight end room, you know, most receiving touchdowns by a tight end group in the country right now. I mean, he's balling. Um, I think it just makes total sense. And then, you know, Coach Sider's been there for a while, since 2018. He knows the ins and outs. He is he's Penn State. Um, he's, you know, his, his running backs are doing a really good job. But like we talked about earlier, I'm really excited to see how these guys kind of get their, their guys more involved as their, their position groups. Uh, like we talked about earlier with, you know, saw, kind of saw that with Michigan when the offensive line coach becomes the, the offensive coordinator and even head coach tend to lean on the on the run game, stuff like that. Well, I hope we see that with, you know, Ty Howe getting Tyler Warren, Theo Johnson, even Khalil Dinkins involved. And then Coach Sider, maybe like I, like we said with Nick Singleton, getting him in more space, getting a little more creative with some of these run plays. Uh, so a lot, a lot of excitement here headed into some games where you can also experiment a little bit. Not to say that Rutgers or Michigan State are, you know, they're, 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 they're good teams. Although, you know, we saw what Ohio State and Marvin, Marvin Harrison did to uh, Michigan State the other night. But allows you to experiment a little bit and see what, what you can do headed into this bowl game.
1: And, Dustin, do you think that also provides a little bit of excitement going into these last two games where the fan base might have been just ready to check out?
3: Uh I mean, I, I think it, it catches your attention. Like, if you, if you are a reasonable Penn State fan, I think you're watching everything with a, okay, one, two, three, four years in, into the future. You know, you, you should, if you're a knowledgeable Penn State fan, you follow recruiting, uh, you follow, you know, what these guys are all about. So I think if you have two games to try and take things in a new direction and to create a little bit of a spark going into the, the bowl season and to create a little bit of a spark, you know, with, with fan interest, I think they're, they're going to be there. Uh, you know, there's no the, – these aren't high-profile opponents down the stretch, but I, I think it is another reason to tune in. And I think in my experience, like with Penn State fans and the way that they consume media and what we can engage with analytics on that side of things, people, whether they lo- love watching or hate watching, they're still watching their team. Penn State fans are still watching their team on Saturday, even it's, if it's through gritted teeth. Like a lot of the Michigan game, Michigan game was,
1: uh, Landon. Now, for the players, you and I had talked about this in our earlier show this week about it's. These were the two games: Ohio State, Michigan. You're aware as players that these last two games you're expected to win. You still expect to win those games. You expect to be ten and two. You expect to go to a New Year's Bowl, but it fell well short of where you wanted to be. So what does this do in the locker room? Just having the new coaches, does that kind of reinvigorate things?
2: Yeah, it can bring a little bit of excitement to the team, obviously coming in on Sunday morning, this morning and, you know, starting to go over the film and and all that stuff. It's hard. Like I said earlier, you want to, you just want to throw that film in the trash and move on. Forget about it. Um, It does bring guys a little bit closer though. Um, and and like I said, it's, it's the fact of, and we talked about this on the, on the podcast earlier, the fact that, you know, we had players, Vanga defending, you know, coach Franklin and things of that nature, similar in the fact that these players, I I, I can guarantee that everybody in the facility loves coach Sider and coach how it brings that excitement that, okay, you know, these guys can, they can bring something to the table. We know how creative they are. Uh, you know, they've, they've been here for a while. We trust them. Uh, so there definitely is a little bit more of an, just an excitement there for the, for the players. Um, obviously, to to be seen what what they're going to do, uh, but it should be interesting, especially with them being co-offensive coordinators.
3: And I think just uh, if these guys are as be- that beloved, you know, I think there's going to want to be rise up and I'll help them make the most of this opportunity for them. Do it for yourself, but do it for the guys who are getting the shot that you want to see them do well.
1: Very good. All right. We do have one more segment. We'll keep talking about the new co-offensive coordinators. I'm going to start by asking, typically that offensive coordinator is also the quarterback's coach. Just how's that going to work, Landon? We'll ask you that when we start quarter number four.
0: We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. I'm with Landon Tengwall and Dustin Hawkinsmith. That's right. You get both of them. Both premier athletes on the show, I feel lacking here, having two, two athletes like this on the show. Right, Dusty?
3: Yeah, you, just, you just can't relate to this stuff like we can, Jim. You know, I remember when I played ball, fourth grade, number, number 56. Ball. Number Kick 56. Ball. I, I, remember, I softened the defense the one time by running directly into the center three times in a row. Then a fourth down, guess what? The guy who came in after he broke the big one. All right, I didn't get credit on the stat sheet, but I should have.
1: (laughs) There we go. Moments from Dusty's uh, premier athletic uh, history. We're moving on. When we finish quarter number three, I promised I would ask Landon this question. Typically, Landon, the offensive coordinator is also the quarterback's coach. He's the quarterback guru. You just always picture it would be Mike Yursich with Drew Aller. Well, now Mike Yurcich is gone, and you've got a running backs coach and a tight end coach being the co-offensive coordinators. My question is, who's the guy who's going to sit down with Drew Aller? Who who is that guy who's going to be closest to him now that Mike Yurcich is gone?
2: Yeah, I think we see these coaches stay in their perspective rooms. Uh, Obviously, they've both done a great job. We have seen Danny O'Brien on the sideline this whole year. He has been here since I got – he got here right when I got here in 2021. Uh, he's been fantastic. He's worked his butt off. He's always in there grinding uh, with, with the quarterbacks, real, real tight with them. Uh, they, uh, they love him. I've heard Drew and Bo talk very highly, and even Cliff when he was here talked very highly, call him D.O.B. around here. Um, just re- really awesome guy. I seen him take a little bit of a step up with Yursich being in the box this year. He's been on the sideline. You see him a lot on TV. Uh, you know, the the guy already communicating with Drew, uh coming off the field. What did you see? You know, what you know, what are we gonna fix, et cetera? So I think he's gonna step into that role nicely. I don't know from an official standpoint who will be the quarterback's coach, but you know, with with Danny O'Brien already kind of having that rapport with Drew, I do see him being that main guy that, that Drew talks with. I you know, I do see Hal and Cider having more conversations with, with Drew than they had in the past, obviously, but I still think it's gonna be Danny O'Brien that's going to be that main guy. And I do I do think because Danny's a young young coach um, and technically still an analyst, I I think we'll see Franklin kind of hover over that a little bit more, I'm sure, being be in a lot of those meetings to kind of help guide Drew and Danny. But I, I see Danny O'Brien being the main guy uh, talking and handling everything with Drew uh, for the rest of the season.
1: Dustin, I'm not sure that either of these guys are on the short list for James Franklin. He... I think he would want to make a splash with this OC higher during the off season. But with that said, this is an opportunity for those two guys to show something with this team. What is it you're looking for from them?
3: Man, yeah, I think, uh, you know, more pop from the run game. Let's, let's start with that one. Um, and obviously I'm not qualified to say exactly how to do that, but I think that would be a, a number one goal. It's like, you know you have a a couple of these parts not really firing on all cylinders like I I think you haven't run up to your potential uh on the ground and I I would love I too would love to see I I, I don't know you know to see Nick Singleton get to the edge with such ease a bunch of times against good defenses last year and it doesn't feel like we've seen many attempts to try to make that happen with similar plays this year I'm not sure I, I don't know what the explanation is for that but uh, there's more to unearth in that run game, and then if you improve one facet of the offense, I think there could be definitely a trickle down effect where the rest of it gets a little bit easier. If you shake, if you can, are able to shake defenses loose by by uh, set establishing the deep ball, then it's gonna it's gonna have a, a positive effect uh, on the run game as well. And I think it's vice versa. So I think if you want to kind of go run first, and you can see if you have more success doing that. I think the rest of the offense
1: can perform at a higher level as well. Landon, you're an offensive lineman. You've got a former offensive lineman and tight end coach taking over along with a running backs coach. I would be stunned if we don't see something more going on with those running backs and tight ends.
2: Yeah, I I, I tend to agree with you there. I think we're going to see us kind of rely on this run game. Continue to allow Drew to be in comfortable situations. Coach Franklin said in his presser yesterday, you know, we got to get him in a good rhythm, get him comfortable. And that's I think that's what we saw last week in the Maryland game. Uh, Just someone who was just just on time, on rhythm, felt comfortable, felt loose, uh, was just kind of wheeling and dealing, having fun out there. Um, I think we continue to see that. And like Dusty said, I think that we get the run game going, that really will open things up for Drew. Um, it'll it'll bring you know bring those safeties down a little bit things like that make people a little more aggressive and then take those shots over the top Um, obviously saw that at the end there against against Indiana with a big shot to Keandre Lambert Smith one-on-one I think we need to take more of those shots with when we have one-on-one opportunities with Cephas we've seen he can make plays now with the big tight ends but I totally agree I think it starts in the run game getting those 4 or 5 yards, you know, a pop per carry, staying ahead of the stick, staying in the second and 5, second and 4 world. I think that's so important for Drew and not getting behind and, you know, having those and as Jim hey, reminds me every podcast, pass on first down. I mean, he he, tell, he tells me every time. Also, I don't know, I, Jim, I, they should have been looking at you for the offensive coordinator gig, but Uh, so, but no, I think establishing this run is, is going to be the, the main theme headed into these last couple weeks here of the season.
1: I just want to point out, I'm not prepared to say that James Franklin has reached out, nor am I prepared to say he hasn't. Okay. I'm just going with no comment so far. However, I do believe if it were offered to me, I would have an interest, um, (laughs) Tell Coach Troutwine I have a guy in mind for offensive line coach, too. And, uh, Dusty, what skill set do you have that I could bring you along?
3: Still trying to find it, my man. Still trying to find it.
1: <laughs> I got time. I got time. Along with, along with the rest of us. All right, Dusty, if it is a case where James Franklin goes outside the program to bring in that new offensive coordinator, any names pop up in your mind?
3: I usually rely on other people to formulate those top five you know, names to watch. I'll bet there are some out there right now. It is a favorite of the Penn State media community to, to do And I, I, th- I think it's a favorite for a reason. I think fans really want to wish upon a star about who those names are. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think the, the most success James has ever had with an offensive coordinator, and I, think the, I don't even think this is arguable, is, is Joe Morehead, who was not a household name. At that point in time, I don't think you need, you know, the, the splash higher. Like I think sometimes and no disrespect to Mike, Gerson, but I think sometimes, you know, that there was a lot of sizzle around Mike. And it's hard to live up to that, uh, to that, you know, what, what everybody's thinking you are and, and things like that. So I think, you know, and, and I don't think it's a zero percent chance that some some form of cider and how um, do a good job for these two weeks and then going into the bowl game and they get to spend three, four weeks or whatever it is, extra working directly with the offense. Maybe they grow into this thing. I don't think it's a 0% chance that we could see this arrangement to start 2024, but I know the expectations are high to go out there and get a big name. Uh, I saw, let's go get Cliff Kingsbury. And who's the former GA uh, Brady, Joe Brady, who was uh, LSU and, and uh, Carolina Panthers. I don't even know where he's at now, but he, he, he's a logical one.
1: I think I saw he's with the Bills right now and uh, because those lists have already started, Dusty, because I've already seen Okay, you've
3: already consumed some, yeah.
1: Yes, and Brady's name came up. Joe Moorhead's name came up. Uh, Who was the – is it Sean Lewis was the offensive coordinator for Colorado that he let go of a couple weeks ago. I think I saw his name. You're right. You know, people are going to start throwing names against the wall. Kirk Scirocco. Let's go back. Let's go
2: back in time. He's coming back this week. Yeah. Rutgers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey. He, yeah. He'll, be in,
1: he'll be in town and he, he's coming off of that uh, wonderful performance this weekend against Iowa. How many points does this team have? <laughs> Never mind. Let, let, let's move up. By the way, that Rutgers uh, Iowa game, the over under for that game was 29. 29. I said bet under. And, and you know we're...
3: what? If, if if you average 29 points a game in college football, you probably rank like 75th in the country uh, with that. You as one team scoring 29 points
1: per game. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, Landon, we saw last year, now it's a little bit different a coordinator and a defensive line coach, but it seemed like the players lobbied pretty hard for Dion Barnes. To get mm. that job, that's who they wanted, and they got him. Do you see that kind of thing maybe happening with the uh, like Dusty said that maybe through these last couple games, a month of prep before the bowl season, that the players will just say, you know what, we kind of like this setup with Juwan Snyder and Ty how?
2: Yeah, I, I think I, you know, I say we see how these these last couple weeks go, and that's kind of a natural reaction from players. When you have people within the building that have been around for a while, and obviously a guy like Ty Howe has been in the building, you know, obviously played here, very beloved around the around, around the building. That's kind of a natural reaction. Let's let's bring these guys up. Come on, give them a shot, coach. Um, so when you bring in that new hire, it's never, you know, none of the guys know them. They don't have that relationship with them. So it's never too much excitement as if a Deion Barnes hire or something like that, a Ty Howe, Jaywon Sider promotion, um, obviously would be wanted by the players and kind of propped up by the players. Um, That's just, that's up to coach Franklin to, to, to see if, if he thinks that's, that's the best option for, for our team, for our offense. Um, I really, I really am intrigued and excited to see what they're going to do these last two games. And then the bowl game, specifically the bowl game, especially with a lot of prep uh, time to come out with stuff, obviously still, still some time to see what shakes out, especially with Michigan, Ohio state to see, what bowl game we fall into, but probably looking at a New Year's Six bowl, um, it should it should be exciting. A-, a good opponent, possibly someone like Alabama, uh, something like that, could be really exciting to to see what we can do. So you know, it- but to answer your question, yes, the players are absolutely going to lobby for their coaches that they that they've grown to love and they have a relationship and a bond with. Uh, but it's it's going to come down to Coach Franklin in these last couple weeks to to really decide if that is the right decision going forward for this team. Dusty, you got thirty seconds to wrap this up.
3: Uh, my my guess is that they're going to James is eventually going to go outside the building and, and bring in one person a more conventional approach to running the offense. Uh, I, I'm I still think this can be a good career building stuff for both of those guys to show that they can be in a, in an assistant OC role and do well and it maybe it sets the stage and I think James is conscious of what opportunities he's creating to people who've been loyal to him, even if it ends up being outside the program. I think these opportunities are very valuable for both of these guys and it can do things for them, for their career that they, they wouldn't have gotten otherwise.
1: All right. That's it guys. Really enjoyed having both of you on at once. Not sure I'm ever going to do it again. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone kickoff show.